Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today in the podcast, we're going to discuss a pretty heavy, um, controversial, very hot, uh, hot button issue in our current cult- cultural climate. Actually, it's been a hot button issue for the past 50 years. We're going to talk about abortion. But before we do, gentlemen, would you introduce yourself? Yeah, it's Rob Spexer, pastor of discipleship. How's it going, guys? I'm Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Kevin Kenor, pastoral assistant. Okay. Now, I know it is not, uh, it is a cultural faux pas for us uh, men to sit around a room and dare to um, talk about this issue of abortion, that it is supposedly an issue that only a woman can talk about um, because only a woman can have abortion and only a woman can get pregnant. Um, However, I think that is a fallacy. I think not that she can only a woman can get pregnant, but that only a woman can make a moral decision about abortion. I think we're just going to say we're going to get into this and uh, we're going to lay our cards out on the table and there's a lot of ways we can do this. Um, we're going to speak as Christians and so that means we speak through scripture first. Yeah. But then we will also uh, we'll talk from a scientific, biological perspective and then we can talk from a philosophical perspective and then we can talk maybe from a more pastoral perspective to close things out. So first, from a theological perspective, Scripture teaches us, I mean, and I'll just say, like, this 3,500-year-old book, okay, teaches that God knows us before we were in our mother's wombs, Mm. all right? Like, that's the foreknowledge of God that in Scripture we see um, baby, we see... uh, we see uh, children in the womb responding to... So we see John the Baptist mm-hmm. leaping in his mother's womb, responding to Jesus who is in the womb of Mary. Okay? Um, what are you pulling up there? To, you, you got a scripture you're pulling up there, Rob? Well, I, I was, I was flipping through. Yeah, so. I was. I was just going to uh, Psalm 51 uh, where he... where, where um, David is admitting that uh, that he has been a sinner from from the beginning. In my in, in sin did my mother conceive me, and yeah. so he's a recognition that he was at that moment of conception he was a sinner. Yeah. I mean, yeah, already already putting personhood to his to his being. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was thinking of. And so, so we do. So Christians do believe that life begins at conception. Okay, conception being the the moment where the sperm enters and fertilizes the egg and that um, fertilized egg becomes a new person. Mm -hmm. Now that is new life Mm. taking place. Okay. We're going to deal with some um, objections to our arguments. I've seen many new ones recently many creative arguments. Um, I said 
to someone who asked, I said, life begins at conception. And they said, aren't your sperm alive? And I was, this is called a fallacy of distraction, trying to distract you by something that does not make sense at all. (laughs) And we, yeah, my, my sperm is alive, but my sperm is a part of me. And my sperm is not a new sentient being. My, my, my sperm is not a new, uh, new person with new DNA, right? That's not the argument whatsoever. That's something that's, that's going out from me and fertilizing an egg. And then that becomes a new human being with its own unique DNA. Mm. Now, when the scripture was writing and t- saying this kind of stuff, we had no idea. I mean, God obviously did, but we had no idea about DNA. We had no idea when life began, right? So my argument is scientifically, there's no other place where you can argue that life begins than right there at conception, okay? People make all kind of stupid arguments from scripture about at a baby's first first breath or at different things that life begins because life is in the breath or something like that it's it's they're really just absurd absurd arguments scientifically this is when life begins this is a new being this is a new person um at at conception okay so one of the arguments that people are saying is that so so the argument the question is when is this a human being because if we believe that all human beings have certain rights and as christians we believe that all human beings have inalienable rights given to us from our creator Mm. right because we have a creator that creator tells us what we're for that creator gives us certain rights and morals and values and judgments well the the argument is for, for, for secular people who believe that maybe we're a result of random chance plus a lot of time plus evolution, I would ask them, where do your human rights come from? If you don't have a creator, how do you have rights? Do you just invent your rights? Right? I, I would push back and say, well, then, then I get to invent my rights, too. And what happens when our rights differ for one another? Um, as Christians, we say, no, we have a creator. Our creator gives us these rights. Therefore, every person has the right to live. Okay, They have that right to live. So, if that child in your womb at conception is a person, is a human being, they have the right to be born. They have the right to live. Right? When we, we, our framers of the, of the um, um, Declaration of Independence said, we say that um, every human being has been given by their creator certain inalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They had a Christian worldview. We would echo that same statement, and we believe that person in the womb has the right to life, liberty, and happiness, as so does her mom have the right to life, liberty, and happiness. Now, this is... Now, we can get it... We're going to get into all kind of 
we're getting all kind of objections yeah. to this. Um, the common objections you hear are my body, mm-hmm. my choice. Okay, Rob, when you hear that objection, what are your thoughts or how, how would you respond? Yeah, I, I would say that my body, my choice um, is one, I would say it isn't your body. Um, that you're, you're, uh, that assumes that when you say my, my body, my choice, you're assuming that you have somehow formed your own body, that somehow you are the owner of your body and that you were the, the beginning of your, of your body, that there wasn't something it, previous to this, which... You don't have a creator. Yeah, yeah, you don't have a creator, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, so, so that is a rejection of the fact that, no, actually, there is a creator and that we are... Um, we are to be submissive to, yeah, this, to this one. Yeah. We're accountable to yeah, it. Yeah, submissive and accountable, yeah. So yeah. that's interesting because, so hear, hear this. My body, my choice is a theological statement. Mm-hmm. That is a religious statement. And it's heresy. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie. Okay? So, the, and here, here, you, we do not have autonomy. I have autonomy. This is my, I have autonomy over my old body, my own body. Says who? Says who? Says them. I mean, did you create yourself? Yeah, right. If you did not create yourself, you do not get to determine your the laws Mm -hmm. of yourself, right? So, at the very least, is it fair to say that the secularist would almost have to assent to the fact that their parents created them? It was like, if they're rejecting God, I don't have a creator, but biologically, at the very least. You've been created through sexual intercourse by your parents. Mm-hmm. Is that is that a fair pushback against that, like on a very basic level? Yeah, I mean they could they could say that, but again, we would say, but where do human rights? Mm-hmm. Where do rights come? Where do values come from? Yep. You don't get to just invent things out of thin air and just stand up and say, I believe every single human being should have the right to whiteies for life. Mm-hmm. Well, well, cool. But you just invented that right out of thin air. Who says you have the right to have autonomy, mm-hmm. self-law, yeah. over your own body? Especially when there's more than your body involved. Yeah. So, my body, my choice. Um, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. The problem is there's two bodies involved. Actually, there's three. If you include the, the male who helped you make that child, mm-hmm. you didn't make him on your own. You didn't make that child in your womb on your own. You had help right. from another human being. Yep. Does he have any rights in this matter, right? But in this, in this situation that you have two bodies now, so it's not just my body, my choice. Mm-hmm. What if that, does that child in your womb does that have rights? Because it's a separate body from you. It's separate DNA. It's got a different structure than you do, yeah. right? It's, it's DNA imprint is different than yours. So that we, we know that scientifically that is a different body than yours. So my body, my choice is just too simple. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally you're smuggling in secular, humanistic, evolutionary presuppositions that are, not, that are against science, 
the science that we know. It's against the science that we know. It's not just your body. Listen, if you're going to say nobody has the right to tell me I can't chop off my hand, I'm going to say, fine. You're a moron. Chop off your hand. Your body, your choice. Totally fine. Chop off your hand. You want to have a peg leg the rest of your life? Chop off your leg. I'm not, no one is objecting to you doing something to your body. We're objecting to you doing something to a different body. The body that's in your womb. The body that was placed there, not only through your choice, sleeping with another person, but also the sovereign work of a God, Mm -hmm. our creator, Mm -hmm. who breathes life into every every child at, at conception. So it seems like what you are saying is that in one sense we would affirm the fact that your body, your choice, in the fact that if you're going to do something to your body that uh, we may say is eh, probably foolish, probably not something that we should, you should do, that we'd be like, yeah, I, you're right. It is your body. If you would like to choose to do that with your body, feel free to do that. Um, as long as it doesn't affect other bodies in one sense. Yes. But what you're saying is you can't use that argument in this case for abortion because that person or the, the as you know, we'll use the word, we'll use the term, the, the, that fetus in you is not your body because, you're, at, you're saying, because this fetus actually has a, a DNA that is different than the DNA of the, of, the, of the woman, of the mother. And as a result, of now we're talking about two bodies, and now we, you, you're not in the position to determine what you're going to do with that, um, that, that body that's inside of you. Yeah. Is that, how, you, is that yeah. how we're kind of summing this up? That's how I would sum it up. But, okay. I mean, we know, as created beings, we are still... We are not autonomous. God has given us uh, um, some freedom in that, but we are still accountable to our creator for how we use our body, right? And so I would not grant that she has autonomy, full autonomy. Right. Um, I would, but I would grant that she has moral agency over her own body, and she can use her body um, how she chooses. If she wants to get tattooed from her head to her toe, no one's objecting to this. Mm-hmm. If she wants to put piercing through all parts of her body, no one's objecting to this. If she wants to mutilate and mangle her body, nobody's objecting to this. We're objecting to what she's doing to another body in her. Mm. And this would be the same thing as like, this would be like, I mean, in one sense, this is a little facetious, I get it, because, but this would be like, I, since I have bodily autonomy, I have control over my body, therefore I have the right to punch Alex in the face. <laughs> it's my body, I get to use it how I want to use it. Right. Well, we could say yes, but there could be repercussions for the way you use your body. Yeah. Right? <laughs> for sure. Uh, what do you think, Alex? <laughs> for sure. I ain't going. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you on this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's going to be re- repercussions for that, right? Now, now, this is the objection that would come, that has come to me in the past week or so. They, they, secularist humanists would say, and feminists would say, that child or that fetus does not have rights because it is not a, it is, it is a non-autonomous, non-sentient being. So they're, uh, here's the difference. They're affirming it's alive, 
but they're saying it's not a person. Okay? It's living, but it's not a person. They might say it is a potential person. Well, this argument, you would easily say, I mean, okay, we, it kind of makes sense. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right. This, this fetus is 100% dependent upon the mother, right, for mm-hmm. its life and, and sustenance. Mm-hmm. Um, it's non-sentient in the fact that it's probably not aware of its... I mean, I, I, this might be speculation, but it, it might not be aware of its own existence. It might not be moral yet. It might not be conscious, whatever, these, these type of things, right? And so, and it is dependent upon its mother. But the conclusion, therefore, it's not a person, again, we would say, says who? Therefore, it doesn't have human rights, says who? And you can push this, the antithesis of this argument and say, when is a person sentient? When is a person autonomous? When do you gain autonomy? When are you non-dependent on other people? For your survival, like, because we we all grant all of those things, kind of, for for a child in the womb, but that's all of those things are the same for a week old baby. That baby, if you leave it there on the table, it will die. It is not autonomous. It can't provide for itself. Yeah. Mm. Right. It still needs sustenance from the outside. It still needs human beings to care for it. I would say a year old baby. My baby's 15 months old. If we left her alone, she would die. Still, not a quote-unquote autonomy. Mm. Then you could take it even farther and say, what about a human being that gets in a car accident and is in a coma? Non-sentient, non-autonomous, are they a person? Right? What about people with mental disorders? Are they autonomous? Are they sentient? Do they therefore not have personhood? And, and there are many on the left who would say, no, they don't. And they do say, we should be able to kill children. We should be able to do infanticide and, and have um, a one-year waiting period to see if you want the baby or not and then to kill them. Peter Singer uh, is one of them, atheist, I think. From, is it Yale or Princeton? Princeton, from Princeton. And we should kill old people that, that go into comas. And we should allow... We should pull the plug on people that are in, in comas. It, this is a culture of death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what do you think? Okay, so I'm, I'm going back to, you, to the very beginning here, and you said, you asked the question, says who? What, if my answer is, says me? Yeah. Which is the only answer you could have, because if you're rejecting any kind of standard outside of yourself, uh, then it's, it's got to either be a standard that you say is, well, says me, or it's got to be a standard, well, says us, as I look around and find all my, my, my other people mm-hmm. who are kind of in the same, in the same boat, the majority, um, kind of. I, I, is that, is that, would, would that be the answer yeah. to the, of these individuals? That's what they, because there is no one higher than us. There is no God above us. There is no God above the state. Therefore, 
the state is the one that gives rights. See, we've never believed this. Christians have never believed this. We believe that God has created rights and values and morals and truth. And the state was meant to implement his values. Mm -hmm. They, they, right. they were sure. servants of God, yep. is what the New Testament said. Yep. Right? Now, here's the deal. If there is no God, there are no universal human rights. Yep. Therefore, the Supreme Court giveth, and the Supreme Court taketh away. Hmm. Okay? Now, I say that because with, in the Roe versus Wade decision, <clears throat> one of the most horribly argued decisions <clears throat> and decided decisions that have ever been argued and decided in Supreme Court history, <clears throat> they looked into the Constitution even though the Constitution never mentions abortion. And they found in the 14th Amendment, they used the 14th Amendment, a right to privacy, <clears throat> to say that a woman has a right to make a decision between her and her doctor that would allow her to have an abortion. Okay? Absolutely bizarre arguing. Um, they separated between trimesters at the time, but then later... That was um, pushed back. So we, we say things like uh, an abortion is understandable when the life of the mother is at stake. Like we get it. It's a life for a life. Mm. Someone's going to die. We, uh, but what liberal Supreme Court justices did and what liberal activists did is they smuggled the life and health of the mother into the argument later after Roe versus Wade. Mm -hmm. Health then was expanded to include yeah. anything. Yeah. Mental health, stress, frustration. I won't be able to go to college now. Okay, fine, then you can abort your child. Like any reason whatsoever. It wasn't just life and health. So the Supreme Court invented this right. Yeah. And Supreme Court, all they're meant to do, they're meant to be judges, not legislative branch. If if our people, if, if we're in a representative democracy, if, if the people want... Um, abortion, then that needs to get pushed through the House and, and confirmed by the Senate, and then the judges judge accordingly. Well, that's not what happened. Yeah. This got legislated from the bench in the Roe versus Wade decision, mm -hmm. and then confirmed a couple different times. And now, and so now we've been living more liberal. Um, non-Christian, secular people have been living for 50 years like this was a, like this was a universal human right. Yeah. Many have used abortion in the same way that um, <clears throat> birth control is used. It's just a backup. Mm. It's, um, now, now why, why, why is this such a virtue in our society. We've been talking about sacraments. I think abortion is actually a sacrament in our society right now. Mm -hmm. Because sexual liberty is our God, or even we could say personal autonomy. We are our own gods. So the radical feminists say, I am the same thing. I am exactly the same as a man. I can do everything a man can do. I demand to have the same rights a man can have, including in those rights, 
a man can be promiscuous. He can have sex with as many different women as possible, and that never affect his career. That never affect his body. That's unfair. And so the radical feminist rages at creation, rages at God, and says, now, through the use of technology, I'm going to usurp that, and I want to be just like man. So I want to be just, I want to be able to be just as promiscuous as a man. And I don't want my body, if I do happen to get pregnant, I don't want my body to change because again, my body, I'm autonomous over it. So I don't want another human being invading my body and moving my hips and giving me stretch marks and messing my body up. And I don't want my career to be affected the way a man's is affected. I don't want to take nine months off or I don't want to take time off to raise a child or I don't want to raise a child at all. I want, I'm, I'm career oriented person. And so in order to serve this false religion, I have to have the sacrament of abortion. It is sac it is sacred because if all else fails, I have to, I want to be able to sacrifice another human being for my personal fulfillment for my comfort. Now I know that sounds harsh, but that's what's going on. Mm. And in with this over the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade right now in the Supreme Court, which looks likely, praise God, liberal states are and what happens is is if Roe versus Wade gets overturned, abortion does no longer it doesn't become legal. Or I mean, it doesn't become illegal. That decision gets pushed down to the states where it where it should be, where it originally was. And each state gets to vote democratically yeah. what they want. Colorado right now voted like last month or last a couple weeks ago, and they, or not, they didn't vote, I'm sorry. It was legislated by their, um, by their governor that, that a child in its mother's womb up until birth has no human rights. No human rights. So... And what got voted on yesterday in the House of Representatives was a bill put forth by the Democrats that provided abortion on demand up until the day of birth. No um, hindrances whatsoever. You could, language in the bill, you could abort just on the purpose of the sex of the child. So if you wanted a boy and it was a girl, you could abort. Wow. You could abort because it, it had Down syndrome. You could, you, think about this, the day before, the day before, you have a fully formed human being that is viable, that could survive outside the womb. And you are, and they're, and they're pushing this legislation forward that they want to be able to kill these children at this, they know it. Even the president last week said, I don't think a Supreme Court should, allow, should be speaking about if a woman should be able to abort her child or not. The president said the secret part out loud. They know it's a child. It's not a clump of cells. It's not a non-sentient being. It's a child. Why are they willing, like the Aztecs, to sacrifice their children to their gods? So what do we say to the, the person that's like, well, isn't your God a forgiving God? So I'm just going to choose to do this. 
yes, he is a forgiving God, so I'm going to choose to kill you. Mm. And then I'll ask for his forgiveness later. Mm. That's a little facetious, but that's the same argument that you just made. Yeah. Mm. Since God's forgiving, he doesn't really care that I murder you. Mm. That only works if you're not on the wrong end of that yeah. decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? If you're not the child being hung over the edge by the Aztecs, being dropped into the volcano to, to, yeah. to appease the volcano gods or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's not way... First off, it is true. God is a forgiving God. But God also is a God of justice. Yeah. And, and here's the deal. Who are the weakest? Mm-hmm. Who are the poorest? Mm. You know, in, in our society. Who are the most vulnerable? Who are the ones who literally have no voice? The same arguments those on the left use for all of their LGBTQ plus racist type of agenda, we could use the same arguments for the unborn. Yeah. Listen, you may be a black, queer, transgender female. I don't know what that means, but you may be, and you may have a, a small voice in our society. You have more of a voice than a child in its mother's womb. Well, what's interesting is, like, what you're talking about, the, the proposed bill to abort a child on, on the basis of gender, let's say. Like, that's, that's eugenics, right? Yes. That's, that's everything that we've cried out against Nazi Germany for doing, is wanting to breed, quote-unquote, a better race or an ideal childhood. That's the same stuff that we've cried out against China in the past for, you know, aborting or, you know... Forced abortion. Forced abortion, yeah, for female children or, or only two children per household. Like this, th- this is, these arguments, these are all things that the left has historically cried out against in other nations. Or, or students of history looking at, let's say, Sparta, you know, ancient yeah. Sparta. Oh, this is a weak child. Let's just leave it to die. Or yep. the Aztecs, like you're saying, they're, they're the same arguments that are being used in reverse. And, they're, they're kind of, they're falling off the horse on the other end. They're so worried, quote unquote, worried about, let's say, fascism, overreach of, of the conservative state, that slippery slope fallacy starting to give away rights for themselves. Because, okay, yeah, you know, you could kill a child up to the day of its birth. Children have no human rights. Okay, great. So then, then who? Vulnerable populations. If you make... Yeah less than this amount of money, you're no longer, you're a burden to your country, so you don't have rights. Yes. It's just, it's a slippery slope into hell. Yes. It's interesting how you were describing that because every one of those, every, every one of those decisions by, for instance, communism, the communist state is the God, and yeah. so you sacrifice children to that God. Yeah. Or you, you described the Aztecs. They, you know, there was a sense of we appease the gods by sacrificing, by sacrificing our children. In the same way, autonomy or uh, the, the want to have right my rights or my independence from from everyone to, to be equal uh, male and female i want to sacrifice i want to sacrifice the you know a ch- ch- children so again it goes back to this fact that uh our our god whatever our god is i, I would i would even say this that uh, it's kind of what we've been saying uh, and really repeatedly uh, on sunday mornings is this idea of your religion is is upstream from your culture 
which is upstream from your politics mm -hmm. and, and, and these legislative decisions now that we're, we're seeing here, these are all coming downstream from, from religion. And as much as you want to say there is no God and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm autonomous, that is, you've already named your God, you, yourself. Yeah. You've just named yourself as your God. You are, this is a religion. This is something, and, and so your decisions are coming downstream from your, from your religion. I also think it's, it's interesting, I think it's important for us to understand that uh, it's, our Constitution does not protect us from immorality, it, meaning um, it only, it, it only it, your, we will be only as a moral of a nation as much as our people are understanding morality in terms of there's a standard, there's an absolute standard. So our Constitution can actually, as we've seen, it protected immorality yeah. for 50 years or, or more. So, yep. yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, so... So, if, I don't know if you saw, but like the last couple of weeks, at least on my Facebook, I have many of... I have many liberals, I have many unbelievers, I have many Christians on my Facebook... And there was a few Christians that I saw that were that, that said positive things, that were encouraged, that were hopeful, but very few. Most of them were quiet on Facebook, but my liberal, quote-unquote, friends on Facebook went insane. I mean, I saw insane posts. Mm -hmm. Insane. To me, they're insane. Yeah. Because they're arguing... I have a right to kill the child in my womb because this would be a burden to me. This would, I would have to sacrifice financially. I would have to sacrifice my body. I would have to sacrifice my future earnings. I would have to take time off. I would have to take care of this child for the rest of my life. They're literally justifying murder. Like, they're, you know, they're justifying murder and it is it is the definition of a culture of death that cannot sustain itself you cannot remain moral you cannot be a moral society and, and be a moral people if you have a culture of death that mm. kills the weakest people among you mm. yeah. as your sacrament as your as your virtue you call darkness light yeah. right so yeah mm. <clears throat> so this so, so I think scientifically there is no scientific way to so we would say they say that is not a child in the womb that is a potential person we would say no that is a person with potential mm. okay that is a person with potential yeah. we believe as Christians that when that when conception happens that child has a soul right when, when else does the soul arrive? Yeah. Like, when else does the soul arrive? When else do we have a soul? Right. Ha we say conception, okay? So now that is a person with potential. We know that's not a fully developed human being. We know that. We're not claiming it's a fully developed human being. We're saying it is a person made in the image of God yeah. with potential if no one kills it or something terrible doesn't happen to it or some other form of, you know, problem that happens in the womb, that per, that person will develop into a, a, a fully functioning yeah. human being. Yeah. Right? So I'm not for sure when that like conception actually happened, day, days-wise, hours-wise, um, but what does it look like for like the 
the plan B pill in the yeah. midst of that. The, the plan B pill still destroys a, con, a, a conceived egg, right? Like, or a, a fertilized egg. Yeah. And so that we Christians still believe that, that the plan B pill is still as an abortifacient drug. Mm-hmm. It is abortion. And so in our mind, so he, this is the same argument that kind of was made with Roe versus Wade. When Roe v. Wade was decided, we had no ultrasounds. Can you imagine that? Yeah, that's hard to believe. We had yeah. no ultrasounds. So we didn't really, we knew, well, when it, right before, you know, the last third trimester or so, that's got to be a human being, right? So, so they, they separated first trimester, second trimester, third trimester. Because I think if we wanted to go by just what people think now, most people think that you should be able to abort a child in the first trimester. There should be serious restrictions in the second trimester, and there should be, it should be outlawed in the third trimester. That's how most people think. Okay, even though there's no scientific way to differentiate those trimesters from personhood, like when when do you get your human rights? Right. Most people would say upon birth for sure they have human rights, but why? What's the difference? Literally, in the third trimester, even in the second trimester, that, that child could, could, could uh, you could have a C-section and that child could still survive. There, there, are, there, there are children that survive. So why? Why, second, you know, why make these distinctions? Um, so they didn't have ultrasounds. Mm. Right now, we have 3D ultrasounds. Mm. I mean, you know, you can see a child respond to pain. You can see a, a, a child laugh. You can see a child suck its thumb. You can see this happen in, in, in 3D, yeah. right? So, so now we know, oh, yeah, that, that's a child, that's a child, that's a child. Well, in our mind, we think because it's just an embryo or whatever, oh, it's not a human being because her belly hasn't gotten big, mama hasn't changed at all, so I should be able to just take a pill and be, and be fine with it. Mm. You can't argue that theologically. You can't argue that philosophically, right? So it, it makes sense practically from a human point of, point of view, but it's not philosophically or theologically consistent or even scientifically consistent. Can we speak for just a, maybe a moment to um, this understandably frustration of a woman who says, the men have no consequences, um, let's let's go on. The, let's let's get on the on the side of, you know, what should we do? F- what what should we be calling men to be be doing in in, in all in all of this? Because I think that there is, you know, if we could kind of step inside, it, it does feel that way, doesn't it? It feels like the guy can just do whatever he wants. He can go around and get as many women pregnant and have seemingly have no consequences. What 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 does God want us to call those men out? Or right? yeah. how, how how does our society need to be pushed? in the right direction. Yeah. In, in well, first off, I would say, yes, and that's another consequence of liberalism. Yeah. Because liberalism has created where a woman can get pregnant and then marry the state, and then the state provide for that child. Mm. And so there should be consequences. A man should have to provide for his children, mm-hmm. right? That should be real, a real consequence of of making a baby, right? Now, we, w- we want to go back farther. We want to say, we believe that we are moral agents 
and our choices really matter. Mm -hmm. a, a man and a woman have a choice to have sex. They have a choice to not use um, birth control. Mm -hmm. They have a choice. When you consent to having sex, you are consenting to the process of making a child. Yeah. So you are consenting to the potential that this could produce a child every time you have sex. Yeah. Now, we have divorced the idea of sex from procreation. Why? Technology. Yeah. Mainly technology. Mm. Because we have, and the Catholic Church and people that were against all of the, um, all the uh, uh, contraception, yeah. this is what they're pointing at. They're like, this is the problem. And that's exactly what hap what's happened. We've divorced the consequences of sex from, from the act of sex. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we want to go back. We, this is why we want to say, again, a, man, husband, a man and a woman should get together. They should date. They should fall in love. They should obey God. They should get married. Then they should have sex. And then they get to enjoy the blessings of sex and, and hopefully, Lord willing, conception. Yeah. But sex is not meant. It wasn't created by the creator for promiscuity. Mm -hmm. And you can begin to see how when we decided that we, we men have rights over their own body, right? And say, I get to do anything I want with my, my body. And that means I can enjoy sexual pleasure with as many women as I want to. There was a time, I mean, there still is a time, we still live in this time, but there was certainly the time when says that wasn't acceptable, but now it is acceptable or mm -hmm. was acceptable. You know, we could talk about the 60s where we kind of have this whole kind of changing of what is the, what is the purpose of sex and sex is all about for me. And, and again, you see how we just kind of ran ourselves down this road of, yeah. of, of trouble uh, and now we're paying the consequences of those, of being our gods of ourselves and... Yeah. So so what do we say to like the uh the the couple that are married and they're the ones that both agree like hey we don't have the finances we 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 can't have another kid like and they get the abortion what, what do we say to that But they're they're pregnant is what is, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Well and they get the abortion is that what mm -hmm. you said? Well we say that you made a horrible decision. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That you that you literally sacrificed a child for your god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your god is comfort. Mm -hmm. And that's a hard thing to say, but your, your God is your, your tax bracket. Your God is your neighborhood. And you're choosing, rather than suffer, rather than finding a different job, rather than asking for help, rather than giving up a child for adoption, that's always an option. Mm -hmm. You can give up a, There are more people looking to adopt a baby than there are babies that are right, right. available for adoption right, right now. Right. So... You, you, it's a horrible decision. Yeah. That, that's, what, that's what we say. I, I would put all my resources into that, into, into providing, let's provide a, a, adoption as a, because then we have a whole, we have this whole industry around infertility and trying, and, and, and men and women who are trying to get, have, yeah. you know, and, and that in itself has some real ethical problems. Yes, it does. Uh, yeah. I mean, ugh, I don't even want to go there. No. Yeah. But so we could, re in one sense, remove that in to a great level, and then provide adoption as a means for for families who can't have children. Uh, they would be able to adopt because because it could be it couldn't you know there are what what about, what about the poor you know really that that are you know you said well the god of my 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 tax bracket well if they're in the lowest tax bracket that may not be they they may be legitimately thinking oh my goodness 
I cannot afford this child, there would still be the ability for for adoption as an as an option yeah. as an option and, and give that to them versus again go back we what we've determined to do is our state has determined to become the parents if you will and that's mm-hmm. not that's not doing anybody any good um, not raising up people who who God has made them to be fruitful and and, and to work and, and that kind of thing yeah. so a lot of issues around that yeah there's a lot of issues there so <clears throat> so yeah adoption is and if you're a Christian in a church more than likely there's a couple in your church hmm. who would want to adopt your child yeah 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 you know oh absolutely so um, yeah, absolutely. so adoption is always the the better option um, now anytime you're you're discussing the situation people are going to say things like well what about rape well what about incest and statistically those combined um, make up less than one percent of all abortions less than one percent now they'll People will say, well, they're underreported because the shame's involved and stigma's involved. Well, that's, that's an argument. That's a guess. But the Schumacher Institute, which is a liberal institute on abortions, yeah. still says it's less than 1%. Okay? Yeah. So, in one sense, you don't justify 99% of abortions based upon 1% of horrible circumstances. <clears throat> but we do acknowledge that in the cases of rape and incest, that a real moral dilemma arises. <clears throat> a moral dilemma means there's no easy decision. Mm. Both ways out of the dilemma provide a less than ideal option. A less good, you know, uh, so we're choosing between the lesser of two evils. And <clears throat> this child was conceived in a horrible way. And uh, let's just take the, the case of rape. And that was a violation. And I understand that <clears throat> the argument from, a, from a, many perspectives would be, therefore, I don't want this rapist child growing inside of me. Um, I understand that. It's an absolutely horrible situation but if you agree with what we've already said before that life begins at conception that child in your womb had no choice Mm. on who its parents were and now that is a human being that human being therefore has human rights life liberty happiness we we, we just say that So, you have had a moral atrocity happen to you. Will you respond to that moral atrocity by committing another one? Mm. The murder of an innocent child. Mm. Right? Now, I get it. It makes sense to you. It's easiest way out. You want to forget it. You won't forget it. And many women have said down the road... Not only do they have the pain of being raped, but they also have the pain of murdering an innocent child. And I've also seen, and you can Google this if you want, there are many pro-life advocates that were the product of rape, that their mother chose not to abort them. 
and they're pro-life advocates and they're doing good with their life and they, they're, they're blessing the world even though their father was a rapist. And so you are snuffing out that potential for that, that human being if, 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 you, choose, if you choose this. Yeah. You know? So I, I just would ask, um, what's, what's the good news in this? And what, like, what does it look like for the church to come around people that are maybe struggling with on the line of wanting to you know, abort their baby or um, any of those situations? What yeah. does it look like for the church to come yeah. and love those people well? So let's, we're going to get there in, in a second. Before we do that, I, I, just wanna, I, wanna, I do want to say this. Um, it looks like the Supreme Court is going to strike down Roe versus Wade, <clears throat> and this is the greatest win for Christians and for the pro-life for pro-life people in the last fifty years. This is a monumental decision that we should thank God for. People have been praying for literally fifty years yeah. that this would be struck down, and we should we should worship God and for anyone out there with an eschatology that believes it's all downward we're just going downhill until Jesus comes back this should be a smack in the face we don't have to lose we don't have to keep giving up ground mm. we can win some battles yeah. this is a huge win yeah. and it's going to it creates now it's going to be even more important for us to get involved in local and state politics Okay, and and the and specifically when it comes to right to life and abortion stuff, so we are in. I don't know the some of the current laws. I think we've got some stuff that bans abortion after 15 weeks. I think in Iowa is what the current stuff is, but we we should want to get that all the way. Uh, we want to we want to make abortion illegal. Yeah. Abortion should be illegal. Now, people say if you if you make abortion illegal, then people are going to just start doing you know back alley abortions and women are going to die. Before Roe versus Wade, I think they had 23 women die by back alley abortions in the country. 23. Okay? After, the year after Roe versus Wade, I think there was 32. Okay? 32 women died from, from abortions. Okay? So that's a, that's a false, that's a fallacy, that's a false, that's a false argument. Okay? That's like saying we shouldn't outlaw murder because people are going to kill people anyways. Well, uh, yeah, I know. You know, but it's we should we should outlaw it because it's murder, right? They might still go do it somewhere else. They're a moral agent, they can make that decision. But it's wrong, it's morally wrong, it's evil, we should we should outlaw it. Yeah. So it's gonna make local involvement in politics and in the right to life movement even more important. And um, and I think as Christians we need to be praying and hoping for the day it is actually illegal that we see abortion like we see slavery yeah. in the same way. Mm-hmm. <coughs> but it's interesting you make that analogy. So I was, I was thinking about that when how, how many years that they, uh, that uh, um, I can't even remember the man's name in England. Who, Wilberforce. Wilberforce. How many years he fought, fought for that. And they prayed for slavery to be, to be banned, you know, in the English, in the, in the empire. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so same thing. Yeah, yeah, same thing. And um, we should be praying for that now. Yeah. So then lastly, we want to, to talk pastorally about this. So we've kind of talked theologically, we talked philosophically, scientifically a little bit. 
And now we want to get to um, pastoral issues. One of the reasons that more people support abortion today than they did back in Roe versus Wade <clears throat> is because more people have had abortions. Mm. And when it's, when it's an option and it's available and it can be somewhat discreet, um, there, again, in this bill that just got pushed by the, the liberals, the, those, the, the Democrats. By the way, the Democrats in these bills were um, children that didn't have to tell their – they could have an abortion without telling their parents that the Democrats literally believe that anyone can get an abortion whenever they want, and it is their sacrament. And therefore, I do not think – I'm going to say this right here. I do not think there's any biblical way that you can justify voting Democrat in this season right that we're living in right now based on this issue right here mm. alone it's it, it's that the democrats pushed this bill yesterday just to get everyone on record for voting on this and every single democrat except one voted for all access abortion all access mm. it's it's horrific thankfully they only got, I think, 49 votes and 51 against, not even close. They had to get at least 60 with, with the filibuster to even make, make it a vote later. But So more people have had abortion. Therefore, people, because they're made in the image of God, they feel guilty because they know they did something wrong. They feel shame because they know they made the decision th themselves, and mm. they stand under the... They stand under the righteous judgment of God for doing that. Now, what this means is, as they are that, they're going to be even, most many of them are going to be even more passionate to promote the view that this is a good, because they're just trying to justify themselves. Mm. They're trying to justify something they've already done. Yeah. Okay. And we have to understand that, and we also have to understand that there are many people who who either were Christians but didn't understand what was going on and they had access to an abortion so they, they, they did it and there were going to be many people that knew what they were doing was wrong but they did it anyways and then they're going to have great guilt and great shame and they're going to have many people that got an abortion and then came to faith and now they're in the church and now they have that guilt and that shame on their conscience yeah. and the only good news for them is that Jesus Christ mm. died for them yeah. mm -hmm. that yes it was a sin mm. yes it was horrible they are worse than they thought they were mm. but Jesus Christ died for the worst Jesus Christ died for those who were still sinning who were crucifying him who were killing children who were doing these Jesus Christ died and so Jesus Christ offers 100% complete forgiveness of that sin all the way back yeah and his blood covers it and he offers you righteousness he offers you forgiveness he offers you love he offers you hope in a future he offers you now now for those who are in Christ there are there is no condemnation mm. for those who are in Christ Jesus so you will be tempted anytime you hear the word abortion to feel shame to feel guilt to feel condemned and you're going to have to say, yep, I'm reminded once again of my sin, 
but there's no condemnation for those who are on Christ Jesus. Mm. And then I would challenge those who've had an abortion. I would challenge you to bear fruit now in keeping with repentance. And what I mean by that is you should be the one of the most radical pro-life people in your church, in yeah. your community. You should be using your story. You should be using your voice. You should be saying, I did this. I regret it. I'm ashamed of it. I feel guilty over it. Jesus Christ has forgiven me and given me a new life. But please, nobody, even if you're in my situation like I was, don't go through with it. Mm. Don't do it. And I know, I think I have a woman uh, who's in my uh, neighbor, neighborhood, my area. She has to put a sign in my yard. It's Luana Stoltenberg. And she's a Christian, and she had an abortion young in her life, and she um, has regretted it, and she has been a, a stalwart for uh, the pro-life movement for the past, like, 20, 20 maybe maybe more, 20 years. Yeah. I think she's running for ho- the House of Representatives. And, and I said, yes, you can put your sign. I don't let anybody put their sign in my yard, <laughs> but I said, on this issue, yes, you can put your sign in my yard. So i got a question. Uh, some people may, you know, um, ask that, like you said, a lot of people should um, vote Republican. And um, should there be a caution there because there's a lot of different policies that people don't agree with or a lot of different things that may people are like, no, that's not something I would ever vote for. But they are, you know, they don't want to see abortions happen. I, I think there may be, but again, we have to have... Because um, I'm not saying... I support every Republican and all Republicans are good and, and all, I'm not that's not what I'm saying. But on this issue, on this issue, which is literally I don't think there's any issue that you could argue between the parties right now that is life or death for a million people every year. Life or death mm-hmm. for a million people yeah. people every year. Um and I know that's that's a pretty hard statement. I've never in the history of our church made a statement like that, but I think the vote in the in the house yesterday um, demonstra- demonstrates how radical and unbiblical, and I'll just say evil, the worldview is in the Democratic Party right now. When it when it comes to the issue of of human life, when it begins, and what what. Um, how we should treat um, a child in its in its mother's womb, and so I think we can argue immigration, we can argue you know social policy, we can ar- we can argue tax rates, we can ar- those are all important things that we need to fight and we need to argue about. But until the Democratic Party gets a real check on this um, culture of death, we can't really have one. Mm-hmm. We can't really have one. Because they're killing children, and they're and they're they're laying it on the line, and they're wanting everyone to know that this is how radical they are. And so, you could take that as maybe that's my opinion, but um, you know, I, I think it's in my mind right now. It's 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 pretty clear. I mean, I could, um, yeah. Rob, I see you got you got something. Well, I, yeah, I just just I was just thinking about what what passage that I think is probably the most is a I don't want to say most, but is a very powerful passage to help those who particularly have have their conscience stained by this guilt and shame. It's it's Hebrews nine where 
the Hebrew writer is really trying to show how superior Christ's sacrifice was on the cross, that it could, it really t- could deal with whatever sin we're talking about um, and whatever shame that we might have. And it's, it's uh, Hebrews 9 where he says, it says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, so this is speaking of Christ's sacrifice, without blemish to God, purify our conscience mm. from dead works to do this, to serve the living God. So we can be in a place where, yes, we have, you know, and so we could talk about any sin, uh, that the deepest, vilest shame and guilt that we might feel, Christ says, and I too died for this. And your conscience is, is purified in the sense that you no longer have to bear that weight. I bore it for you. I was crushed under the, under the just wrath of God against what should have been yours. I, Christ says, I took it for you in order. And it goes back to what you're saying, in order to bear fruit of our repentance, in order to serve the living God. And so then that frees us to say, you know, th- this becomes the, 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 the um, fire uh, in our repentance that to know what Christ did for us, for our sins, it, it creates a fire to say, now I want to live for this great God who would who have done such a great yeah. work on, on my behalf. And that becomes then the, 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 the fire behind our pushing back against or pushing against uh, the, the, the evil in our, in our mm-hmm. world. Yeah. 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 Amen. The last thing I want to say is, as Christians, we are pro-life from conception to the grave. And what that means is if, this, if Roe versus Wade gets overturned and if abortion gets banned in 40 states, let's just say, there will be the potential for, well, let's just use the same number as aborted. Let's just say 800,000. There'll be 800,000 more children up for adoption hmm. in the future up for foster homes, up for, up for these different things. And so Christians need to be radically pro-life, not just in saving the life, but also then opening their homes to be foster parents, <clears throat> to, be, uh, to adopt, and, and to, to welcome these children in. And this was one of the distinctives of the early church that made it so compassionate and so compelling and so unique in the first century when the Romans and the Greeks were, were throwing out their children when plagues hit and they were throwing their children in the streets, the Christians were bringing them in, the Christians were adopting them. Mm-hmm. The Christians were pro-life from the womb to the tomb. Yeah. So we know this is not an easy topic. We know we didn't hit it from every single angle. Um, and so if you have questions, please email me at justindean at sacredcitychurch.com. We hope at least helped in some ways to clarify some things, and we, we want to call Christians to continue to pray that uh, abortion would be illegal in our society, and um, yeah, and that we would flourish, and that more people would come to Christ, that's what we want. So we pray all this uh, for you guys, we love you, uh, we care for you, uh, talk to you soon, God bless. God bless.